Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Amazing. You know, just to get a chance, you know, we talk about learn the learner, you know, and you got to see him in all different aspects, not only in the classroom, but on the field as well. So to get that one-on-one uh, you know, chance to kind of communicate with them and get to know them even more, uh, I can't tell you, putting the words, just how important that was for all of us as a new staff. That was the voice of new Raiders defensive coordinator Gus Bradley speaking today on great interview by the way uh, and we're going to play a bunch of it uh, talking to JT the Brick on the JT the Brick show uh, from noon to two here on Raider Nation Radio I got a chance to listen to that interview and um, I thought uh, Gus Bradley had a lot of uh, great things to say Uh, the enthusiasm the passion is all right there everyone that I've talked to that uh, that knows Gus Bradley that's worked with Gus Bradley that's covered uh, Gus Bradley one of the things that that really jumps out from everybody is just the personality the energy the passion uh, the teaching Uh, all of those things first of all came through in the interview that he did with JT the Brick today uh, but I think are going to serve the Raiders well and as we've been talking about all week that relationship building that Gus Bradley puts a premium on. And it's hard to do that over Zoom, okay? It's really important and a big deal that Raider players have taken advantage in mass, major numbers, of being here in Henderson. That's exactly where I am today at the Henderson uh, practice facility. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Hope you're all well. On a Thursday, big night for the Golden Knights. Game six, they could clear, they can uh, get this, the Colorado Avalanche uh, out of the way. Move on to the Western Conference Finals with the victory tonight. That's happening over at T-Mobile Arena. I know Las Vegas is is really geeked up for that, um, and rightfully so. But listening to uh, to Gus Bradley talk about the relationship building, and that's ongoing right now. Keep in mind, and it's worth mentioning. It's worth repeating. Last year, none of this was available to teams. Uh, so, you know, when you think about former defensive coordinator Paul Gunther and all the new faces that he was working with last year, Corey uh, Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, Mo Collins, Carl Nassib, Damon Arnett, the rookie, a, b- a bunch of other players, you know, he just never had that opportunity, he or his staff, to really sit down in kind of a relaxed atmosphere. OTAs are kind of that middle ground between um, regular season and training camp. Uh, it's, it's sort of like the early part of uh, spring training in baseball where, you know, guys are getting their work in. Guys are coming together as a team. Guys are building bonds and chemistry and learning and, um, you know, getting to know one, an- one another. And it's in a relaxed, more relaxed uh, atmosphere than when training camp starts. You know, training camp is literally getting ready for the season. And I know that there's assessment going on. It's when you get pads. Uh, so that jacks things up uh, a little bit. You're, you're practicing against other teams. So that uh, uh, jacks it up even more. Then there's preseason games very soon after training camp starts. But there's a lot. It's very fast-paced. It's very intense. And everything is kind of gearing up for 
four weeks later when the season basically starts. If yeah, four weeks later. Whereas in, in right now in, in OTAs, there's just a lot of teaching going on. There's a lot of camaraderie being built. I, I spoke to a player last night, um, texted him, and it was just like, you know, man, it looks like you guys are really getting after it out, out there. And the, the first response was, yeah, and we're having a lot of fun out there too. And, you know, to me that's important. Obviously enjoying what you do uh, is important. But it's there's a grind, even as as you know, uh, kind of a relaxed atmosphere that this is in OTAs. And make no mistake, we're talking about the NFL, so it can't be all that relaxed. When I say relaxed, I'm saying relative to training camp, relative to um, the regular season, it's a little bit more relaxed. But make no mistake, they're getting after it, and when they're on that field, they are getting after it. Um, but there's also you know, they're here six hours per day during OTAs. That's about. 90 minutes or so of their time. So you do the math, there's another four and a half hours where they're in classrooms, in the weight room, um, having lunch together, having breakfast together, getting to know one another, um, building a camaraderie, building a trust. And, and that's everything that's going on right now uh, in, in, in OTAs and very important for somebody like Gus Bradley and his secondary coach, Ron Milas, and the linebacker coach, uh, Richard Smith, all of whom are, are newcomers here, uh, to get to know these players now in this atmosphere, in this environment, which is a very teaching-oriented kind of setting and more relaxed than the rapid pace that's going to happen in training camp when you're, when you're gearing up for week one and everything beyond. This wasn't available to the Raiders last year, nor was it available to, to any team for that matter. Um, but it's 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 a big thing that it's back on track, and it's a big thing for Gus Bradley, because what have we heard this week from and last week in talking to some of the players about Gus Bradley, and he's truly one of the storylines of this season for the Raiders. I was on the JT uh, uh, the Brick Show earlier today, and kind of talking about how if this defense gets turned around, how big a hero is Gus Bradley? I'm not going to call him a savior or anything like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like if he can get this defense fixed, and it's not just him. Uh, it's Ron Miles, It's Rod Marinelli. It's the whole support staff. It's Richard Smith. Uh, everyone's going to have a hand in that. It's the players, obviously. But, you know, he's, he's basically the face of this defense. And I, Raider fans are starving for any semblance of respectability on defense because Raider fans understand the bright ones that 95% of the issues last year were defensive oriented. You can quibble about the offense. You can quibble about, you know, so the, maybe some of the ball security of Derek Carr. He fumbled the ball about seven times or so, maybe a few more times. I'd have to look at that too many times. I didn't. I was there for every one of them. I didn't believe all of them. I'd, I'd say less than fifty percent were on him, if that. Most of it was just breakdowns on the offensive line and getting you know pressured and and uh, you know getting the ball knocked out of his hand. It can't happen. That's the standard, and that's what you have to strive for. It can't happen. So there's got to be some way, even in those situations where he does a better job holding onto the ball. He'll tell you that he's the first person to tell you that. Obviously, Derek Carr and the offense need to get better in some of those short yardage situations and the red zone. We've talked about it. 
But as Foster Moreau uh, said when he was on the show yesterday, a lot of that is just tinkering, mastering, uh, fine-tuning, those, those type of issues. Whereas the defense, when you look across the board, the defense was, I mean, at every level, there were issues. Individually, in some cases, collectively, in most cases, positionally, you didn't get enough production from the defensive line, only 14 and a half sacks. You didn't get it production in the pass rush collectively from the entire unit, only 21 and a half sacks for the Raiders defense last year. They didn't force enough turnovers. Uh, they weren't good on third downs. Um, there were a lot of breakdowns. If you look at it, besides Clee Farrell, uh, one of the few starters who I mean, Clee Farrell graded out within the top 16 of his position as a starter. There wasn't any other, maybe Nick Kwiatkowski. I had to look to see where exactly uh, he finished. But Nick Kwiatkowski, Clee Farrell were, the, were probably the highest rated defensive players, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Two of 11 players, and then you throw in the reserves and whatnot. It just wasn't good enough. So guys need to step it up. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the scheme, it has to do with the teaching, the communication, the leadership. That's where Gus Bradley and his staff come into play. And we talked about earlier this week what some of the feedback we were getting from some of these players in their dealings with Gus Bradley. And consistently it was, man, Gus is he's more about he's more than just football. You know, we get to talk about other things. We get to know each other uh, as people. It's relationship building. He's going about it the right way. Now, he's afforded that opportunity because, again, in OTAs this year compared to the non-OTAs last year, he has access to the players, like personal one-on-one access to these players. And by the sound of it, and no, no surprise here because this is just kind of how he's wired, he's taking advantage of it. And he's building that trust player to player, man to man. Looking them in their eye, getting to know them, their family, their background, himself as well, his story to them. And then slowly but surely, you kind of keep building that relationship and building that trust. And X's and O's, obviously, are very important. But those, that becomes the easy part after a while. Once you develop a rapport, once you develop a relationship, once you develop a trust factor. It becomes much easier because we've talked about this. If you get the buy-in first and then everything else just follows. Once you have buy-in, you have everything. There, there's no reason for anything else to not follow. That becomes really honestly the easy part. And I, I think that that's what Gus Bradley is trying to do first and foremost is to get a buy-in from the players. And how do you do them? You show them respect. You treat them with respect. You give them a voice. You listen to what they have to say. You converse with them. You talk to them. You give them ownership of this process, part of ownership of this process. They get invested in it. It just makes everything else follow so much more smoothly. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener in line. Raider Dave is in Denver. How are you doing, Raider Dave? Hey, it's good to talk to you again. You too, my brother. I'm so envious. You've been enjoying all these days out of practice, and I have a few different things that I want to list here. That there were the issues, obviously, last year. It was defense. You're right. 
He was disciplined. That might have been number one A, and I'll explain in a second here. Mm-hmm. But it was also special teams that would not be able to give the Raiders good starting field position. And the discipline comes in when the one-time Renfro runs for a TD. It gets called back. Huge so play. I remember that play. Yeah, I mean, there's there's more than a few things. The other thing would be inside the red zone and most specifically inside the five-yard line, which I heard you talk about shortly a little bit yesterday that just made me so happy because I knew this was happening when Drake was coming, that they would run a 23 with two defensive backs and three tight ends. And I didn't know if it being OTAs instead of the first mini camps. As Jacobs was there, so who's out there running that uh, 23 set? And how do you think when we get these three guys that are not at OTAs, Ngakwe, Jacobs, and I believe there's one more, maybe Waller, um, what and how are the practices going to look a little different? Yeah, um, so in the 23 personnel, that the majority of the 23 personnel uh, was tight ends were Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, Derek Carrier, fullback Alec Ingold, running back was Kenyon Drake, and uh, Jalen Richard uh, also subbed in there from time to time. But it was, as it was later explained to me, it was a, uh, a quick red zone review. And everything was done out of 23 personnel. That's just big boy football, <laughs> you know. Um, they're not and, – and, and what was interesting about it is you would think big boy football is just we're going to line it up and stuff it up your you-know-what because we've got big bodies coming right after you. But there was a lot of creativity out of it. I, I lost count, Raider Dave, how many guys touched the ball either via handoff or, um, or, or, or throwing the ball to them. So uh, there was a lot of variations that were, were coming out of that. Uh, were, that. were any of them with Carr running with the ball? Uh, no, he, he scrambled out a couple of times. Uh, he did not tuck it down and, uh, and, and run it himself. I'm sure that's obviously, that's probably yeah, the... Yeah, so too. Yeah, that would be kind of like the last line of, uh, just in case everything else broke down. Um, but what, what would be interesting to me and I'm going to keep an eye on this during training camp, and then uh, you know we'll see what happens uh, next week in the in the mini camp. And we're going to, I think, we're going to have access to the entire practice, so we're going to be able to see even more. Is what they're writing into uh, the playbook with a Marcus Mariota? Um, because I would think in some of those situations, Mariota is the ultimate curveball that John Gruden and the Raiders can throw at a team uh, when you need backfield lineup with a tight end. Uh, you you could, can split them out. You can line them up for quarterback. So, exactly. I think that is a huge wrinkle that a lot of defenses are going to have to deal with. But I just think the addition of Drake and yes. the ability to have some more athletic offensive linemen, I just do not see our numbers inside the five being anything like they were last year. Yeah. So I can't and, imagine it. Right. And, and Foster kind of teased it a little bit and said that uh, there were some cool plays that were um, that were written in yesterday that they were working on. I don't think we saw uh, those, that part of it. So uh, and he kind of, you know, he, he teased it. He did a good job. Uh, he's 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 pretty good at this. Uh, so um, we'll have to wait and see. And he, he said something like, hopefully we'll get a, sh- a chance to, to actually run it in game. So uh, trust me, I'm going to be paying attention. Uh, when the Raiders are in the in, in the red zone and kind of keeping track of what they call down there to see if any of those are the plays that they put in yesterday uh, all the way back in June. It could be something that p- pays a dividend in October. You never know. That's what's so cool about uh, all of this. But, um, but yeah, I think Kenyon Drake, and one other thing, and I've mentioned this before in talking to some people um, you know, that are putting all this thing together, 
Another area that Kenyon Drake really helps on is when the Raiders decide to go up-tempo. And by up-tempo, we mean no huddle. Just, you know, getting back to the line of scrimmage and running a play. And there's lots of reasons why you do that. Sometimes you're just trying to get yourself into a rhythm um, to try to get it, you know, sometimes you come out sluggish to start a quarter or to start a game, and you feel like you got to light a fire up your own, you know what, and just just try to go fast and see if you can, you know, uh, get into a rhythm that way. But oftentimes, more often, often it's to catch the other team off guard and because it's happening so fast whoever's on the field when you start going up tempo and you know not doing uh, the huddle and just lining it back up the defense is stuck with that personnel so they're going to have to stay and, and try to match up with whatever you're trying to do well all of a sudden with a Kenyon Drake um, in, in the lineup with a with Josh Jacobs in conjunction with him all of a sudden a Kenyon Drake can line up now at wide receiver. And that's something that you can stay with for an entire drive sometimes. Just stay with that and, and, and be as fast and as up-tempo as you can in a drive and force defenses to try to contend with him in various parts of the field. And eventually, you're probably going to find some situations where, oh, there's Kenyon Drake lined up against a linebacker or maybe one of your wide receivers somehow, some way, because look, teams get confused sometimes, you know, and, and they're kind of scatterbrained out there trying to match up. And sometimes you just have to, you know, go with what you got. And it's not the most favorable matchup defensively. Sometimes you're, you're, you know, lined up incorrectly. And that's when a good quarterback sees that, understands that and makes you pay. So that's another area that I think Kenyon Drake is going to be able to help is that, there's going to be, and you'll see this, there's going to be times next year where the Raiders just go, you know, run, reel off five or six plays without huddling up, and he's probably going to be on the field when that happens. Well, who was Pretty catching much. punts and kicks? Um, I, we haven't seen enough of that. I, I know Hunter Renfro has been out there, um, you know, in, in terms of the punt think, I would think Brown might do that a little bit. He was really good at it. Hunter's good at it too, and um, I think I think that's he's 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 carved out out a nice little uh, niche for himself. I kind of equate it a little bit to um, didn't Julian Edelman from uh, from from the, yeah. the Patriots was an outstanding Agreed. punt returner, and I think that Hunter Renfro now that he's kind of got more of a feel for it uh, and an understanding for it, I think that you know, and if the Raiders can stop. You know, holding somebody or committing a penalty on some of his longer uh, returns, those numbers for him are going to go up. That was a huge play, if I remember correctly. So, who was missing, and they will be which other players that will be coming back through minicamp? And I guess that's my final question. Josh Jacobs uh, has not been on the field. Quentin Jefferson has not been on the field. Um, Yannick uh, Yannick Ngakwe has not been out there. Isaiah Johnson, the cornerback, has not been out there. Those are the ones that um, I don't even think are here. Let's just put it that way. I think they're they're off doing their own thing, and it's with the blessings of the of the Raiders. Uh, everyone that oh, I've talked to, hear. yeah, everyone that I've talked to said it's it's all good. Um, I think something got worked out, and 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 everybody's good with that. I would be shocked if we don't see them in minicamp, but I guess I could be wrong. You know, mini, uh, minicamp is the mandatory uh, uh, period of of the off season program. I would think that we're going to see all of those guys. We'll see. Uh, other players like Divine Diablo has been here. He just hasn't been out uh, on the field during the practice session, uh, and a couple of the other a uh, couple of other players are in that distinction. And from from time to time, you know. Um, uh, like I think it was yesterday, it might have been 
was it Kendall Vickers or somebody, but somebody was out there for, for warm-ups and stretching. But then when practice started, uh, that player went back into the weight room, I think it was, to, to do something back there. So, you know, you'll periodically get something like that as well. But for the, for the, for the most part, um, aside from Jacobs, aside from Quinton Jefferson, aside from uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Isaiah Johnson, everybody else has been out here consistently. One little tiny tidbit question, if you would. Uh, explain what they're doing with the hill. I didn't even know there was a hill out there. Which hill is that? I thought there was a hill that was talked about on the morning show this morning that uh, has guys uh, at the training complex you know, running a hill. Well, yeah, there are – Well. Uh, we're in an area called um, basically Seven Hills, the Seven Magic Hills, I think like what it's called. So there are um, there are areas right around here, uh, and it's it's funny because I, I I sometimes see like Raider coaches jogging around here and whatnot because it is it's got a it's a great terrain for that type of thing. So uh, I think what, what 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 they were talking about was one of those hills where guys go out and oh off campus basically a little bit off campus. There's a it's a big yeah, spread okay. out here and uh, the Raiders own a lot of the land uh, in and around here. So uh, but yeah, there's there's some there's some good running areas out here. It's pretty wide open. Um, although it's getting more crowded by the day, everywhere you look, there's uh, there's construction sites and, and developments uh, in and around uh, uh, this facility. So uh, what it looks like right now is not going to be what it looks like in about two or three years. I can I can I can tell you that. Um, well, thank but, you, yeah. Vinny, man. You, you are killing it every day. And as long as you keep up with the Columbo impersonations at your press conferences, oh, one one more thing, one more thing. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Keep it going, man. All right, man, Dave. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, and, and we'll talk to you down the road. Don't be a stranger. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. When we get back, we'll get more into um, what Gus Bradley uh, had to say uh, today on, on uh, JT The Brick's show. It was a really insightful uh, interview. There's some, there's, there was an interesting thing that he said, and I touched on it earlier this week. Remember I was telling you about uh, Tyree Gillespie and, and how uh, he might be showing up a little bit and how um, – I was told over the weekend, you know, still got to figure out who the two starting safeties are going to be, which was kind of a surprise to me. I kind of figured it was already etched in stone a little bit. Well, as, as Gus Bradley talked about today uh, on, on, on JT The Brick Show, and we're going to play this uh, a little bit later, it looks like they've completely opened up the safety job, and uh, it's a competition. And that's the way it should be. I still think it's going to be Trayvon Morig and um, Jonathan Abram, but... Tyree Gillespie is somebody that is really opening some eyes, and I know that the people in the know are really anxious to see what he looks like when the pads come on uh, and see and, – because and, there is a confidence that he's going to show up big time uh, when that element is, is brought into the equation. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Well, Gillespie, I mean, we're right now we're, we're talking about some open competition at all those spots, you know, oh. especially at the free safety spot, you know. So we're just taking a look at everybody. It's still early, but he's been impressed. We know that he's going to be a very, very talented special teams player. We know he'll bring that. But I've been impressed with how fast he has picked things up, too. Uh, this has been so beneficial for all those younger guys, the ability to get out in the field, even though many of the reps are walked through, just to see how fast they pick things up. He's been impressive too now. We really like what we see from him. 
That's Gus Bradley, uh, the new Raiders defensive coordinator, talking about Tyree Gillespie, the fourth-round safety from Missouri. Not a bad problem to have when you start, um, and we talked about this last week, when you start looking at that safety population for the Raiders and compared to last year, and you're talking about Jonathan Abram, you're talking about Carl Joseph, uh, you're talking about Trayvon Morig, who um, was had a first-round grade going into the draft um, and throughout the process, basically, and then all of a sudden at his pro day, you know, he has a little bit of a back issue, and so he falls to the first part of the second round. He's really a first-round talent, and that was the grade that everybody had on him. It was just a medical uh, that pushed him down a little bit in the in, in the draft. You know, and now all of a sudden, here's Tyree Gillespie, who's opening up some eyes, uh, the rookie from Missouri. So not a bad problem to have and not a bad situation when you look at the depth now at this position and the possibilities uh, at this position. Uh, by the way, just looking at uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, we just flashed a story um, uh, a little bit off topic, but it kind of relates to the Raiders a little bit next week. Next week here in Las Vegas, uh, temperatures are supposed to rise to 108 to 116 in many locations on Monday, and that's expected to increase by three degrees the following two days. What's the following two days? Raiders minicamp uh, here in Henderson. So I'm wondering if uh, if the schedule might get changed a little bit as a result. They've been practicing. They've been getting on the field during OTAs around 10:30 a.m. Um, and there's reasons for that. In many or in OTAs, you're only allowed to have the players in the building for six hours, as opposed to you know regular season training camp where uh, it's much more wide open uh, than that. The, the timing is much more flexible than that. Um, so you have to work around the time that you have to work with these guys. And you know, there's meetings, there's weight rooms, there's classroom type stuff. There's a lot of things that go into this. So as a result of all that, that's where the Raiders felt like the best window was to actually get on the field and practice at 10:30. Now in training camp, they last year and they, they had training camp last year here in Henderson, and obviously it's hot in late July and August in uh, Southern Nevada. So during training camp, they were out on the field at 7 a.m. I'm wondering, because minicamp usually replicates a training camp day, um, if that's something that they would uh, move to uh, beginning next week. But we'll see, because it's going to be hot, hot, hot around uh, Las Vegas next week. Uh, We're going to go out to the Raider uh, guest line and welcome in a good friend of the show, a good friend of mine, uh, Bill Williamson, who's done a tremendous job covering the NFL for years and years and years, Uh, does a tremendous job as the California site producer for SB Nation. Uh, That includes... The Raiders, the Rams, um, and I'm sure some 49ers type uh, type stuff. But uh, he's always uh, kind with his time and always insightful when he does share his time with us in the huddle. Bill, how you doing, my man? Really, how's it going? Always good to be with you, man. Likewise, likewise. By the way, you could follow Bill, and I suggest it and urge it and recommend it, at B. Williamson uh, NFL. Uh, Bill, I'm not sure you heard um, what... Uh, Gus Bradley, the new Raiders defensive coordinator, just said, I don't know if you were you were on when, when we played the clip of him talking about how that safety position, they kind of consider it wide open right now. And um, a little bit of a surprise, and, and I kind of got an inkling over the weekend talking to some people um, where basically it was said, still got to figure out who the two starting safeties are. And I was like, whoa, you know, because you kind of have it almost 
etched in stone that Trayvon Morig, the rookie from TCU, and Jonathan Abram, uh, the third-year safety, um, have those two positions locked down, but it doesn't appear to be the case. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And I, I know in reading your uh, assessment of the offseason and you tiered up uh, everybody, uh, all the new additions uh, in a tier one, tier two, tier three um, setting, and I know that you had Tyree Gillespie, the young safety from Missouri, uh, in there. And I think, if I remember correctly, if memory serves me correct, you said that he's probably going to surprise by getting on the field a little sooner than, than people might think. Uh, I think you're on to something there, Bill. Yeah, I mean, I've been just kind of from where I've been here. And, and I mean, the, the first side of that is, like, obviously, wow, a fourth-round pick has a chance to be play a lot. Um the other one is, oh, man, that means Jonathan Abram, they're not liking him. or He has a shot to be replaced already, and that would be huge, and that would be, that would be a big blow to the Raiders' plan. Now, fans may say, because there's so much to say about this topic, really. Fans may say, well, it's okay because we've got the fourth rounder. But, well, you can't chase your tail like that. you got to hit on these big, big-time picks. Um so when Bradley says that, and I didn't hear that, and thank you for telling me, first I'm like, well, okay, it's June, and that's coach speak, and maybe that's all it is. And the other part is, well, okay, he doesn't want to hand it to more. He doesn't want to hand him a job. Now the other part is, there's something going on with Abraham. Abram. If that's the case, if he's not fitting in, if he's not, if he's not showing the discipline on the field, um, right now, and they're, they're a little, you know, worried about that. That's really interesting. But you know, in the grand scheme, season doesn't start for three months, and we haven't even had one day of training camp. We haven't had one day of mini camp. We haven't had one snap of preseason. So let's see. But you know, I, I think the Abraham, the Abram, I keep screwing that up. The Abram message was sent on draft day when they when they drafted those guys. So I mean, what? What if they like Diablo more as a safety? Now, you know, they're probably going to be more of a weak side linebacker, but he played safety in college. So, I mean, they picked some safeties in, in the draft. You just got to wonder. Yeah, and, um, you know, I go back to when I was covering the Rams, and you know this, um, you know, uh, covering them as you do. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had John Johnson, they had Eric um, Weddle. Um, who they had brought in, uh, but they went ahead and drafted a slew of safeties within a two-year period. Um, Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp, uh, Terrell Burgess, um, uh, when you go to the other safeties, uh, uh, Nick Scott, uh, a couple of other guys, uh, Juju Hughes, and, and, and a couple of them were uh, undrafted free agents as well. And it was, they just loaded up at that position, Bill. And you know what? Lo and behold, so many of those guys got on the field and so many of those guys contributed for various reasons. They just forced their way on the field. Injuries happen. You know, uh, Eric Weddle uh, ended up uh, not coming back after his one year stint there. Uh, and, on top of all that, there's a lot more three safety um, uh, formations now, schemes, uh, personnel groupings. And I think the Raiders are definitely headed there. But I'm with you in that it is a little bit surprising. Now, in that clip, Gus Bradley did say, especially at free safety. Um, so that could open up the door for what you're saying. They didn't want to just hand it to uh, Trayvon Morig. Um, but I think it's... Just instincts. I think it's it's a little bit deeper than that, and I think that right. you know, 
Abram plays in there somehow, some way. But it's not a bad thing, I think, and the Rams showed this. Just bring in as many good football players as you can, especially at a volatile position like safety where injuries occur. There's a lot of physicality. There's a lot of responsibility. And you got to find the right mix. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get exposed. So not a bad thing to bring in a bunch of players and see who, you know, who, who rises to the top. Yeah, I mean, they certainly have a, a pretty – talented pool of, of, of quality guys who played in college. You know, I'm talking about the entire defensive secondary. Um, I, I, I'm interested that they keep on bringing in veteran uh, cornerbacks. You know, what what is that saying? It, it might simply be say that they're not so sure about the bottom of their cornerback position, but that's a really crowded room, you know, and I wonder about a guy who was taken in the forefront a couple of years ago, Isaiah Johnson, who, you know, saved the Charger game uh, last year. He didn't get on the field much after that game. They keep adding cornerbacks. He's not even here. He hasn't yeah, been here. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where he fits in. I agree. I agree. And I, I did a little bit of digging into that. It sounds like uh, it's, it's, I don't know, um, I'm a little. I'll put it this way. I'm a little surprised that he's not out here. But it could be a um, kind of give you a, a little glimpse of maybe what he thinks they think about him, and vice versa. I don't know. Um, you know, maybe he just needs a, a, a to go someplace else and, and and find a new home. But you're right about that. They are bringing in a bunch of different you know uh, players, and and you know we've stressed this, Bill, and I know you probably agree with this. That's why this is such an important time of year. These you know to be able to get a look at your team. At this juncture, at this part of the calendar, ahead of training camp, and just get a sizing up of where you are at cornerback, where you are at safety. Do you need to bring somebody else in at cornerback? Do you need to bring in another offensive lineman? And as we've seen over these last couple of weeks, the tinkering that's going on on the roster – uh, it's probably a good thing that they were able to get a look at this roster right now as opposed to in training camp to see if there's some additions or subtractions that they want to uh, uh, make before bringing in what they believe are the best 90 guys for training camp. Oh, no doubt. And I think, I think Gruden and Merrick are doing a really good job of taking up advantage of their opportunity and they're aggressive. And that's what, one of my favorite things about John Gruden is that he never – gives up on an opportunity to try to get better. And we've seen it the last couple of weeks. You know, they may not be sexy transic- transactions at all, but the turf style is moving here. And they're seeing guys that they're not feeling great about. And they're like, well, he's not going to make it. Well, we kind of like this guy. Let's see if he can give it a shot. You know, and a guy like Alex, Alex Ellis, the tight end, hasn't had a catch in the NFL in five years. Probably not going to make it. They like them better than the guys they had before that they cut, so why not? Why not time of year and they're taking advantage of it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're talking to Bill Williamson. You can follow him at B Williamson NFL. He is the California site producer for SB Nation. Uh, does a lot of Raider and Rams uh, coverage. Uh, Bill, you also wrote about, and I believe you had Kenyon in your tier one additions um, this year, uh, either Tier 1 or Tier 2, but but fairly high up there. Um, And I think we're kind of alike in the thinking here. And, you know, I know it raised some eyebrows when he signed here, but I think because I think the assumption is he's just Josh Jacobs' backup, but that's not the case. That's not 
what I'm hearing. That's not what I'm sensing. That's not what I'm seeing, even when we're out here uh, during OTAs. I think Kenyon Drake's going to have a pretty big role for himself. Um, and it's not going to you know, take anything major away from Josh Jacobs. I think it's going to enhance the whole operation. But where do you stand on the Kenyon Drake signing? And what uh, do you feel is possible for him uh, this year with the Raiders? Yeah, you know, I, I did have him in Tier 1. Um, at first, when they signed him, I'm like, what? You know, why? There's a lot of money. But, you know, I was thinking, say we're in the fourth quarter against Miami Week 3, whatever game you want to pick, and the Raiders win the game with with Kenyon Drake being fresh and Josh Jacobs being fresh, what was he be talking about five and a half million dollars a year during that during that winning drive? Right. right? So they spend the money how they wanted to spend it. They they made some peculiar moves, you know, this off season, but that's how they wanted to spend it. So if this is going to help them win games, I don't think we're gonna be really pointing to the salary cap during the heat of the moment. So I'm cool with it. You know, John Gruden thinks he's gonna um, help him win games. It's going to open up his playbook even more, and he has an extensive playbook, and he is one of the better play callers in the league. Um, you know, that's why they drafted so – they're so specific. That's why they drafted Bowden last year. Well, it didn't work out, but they had a reason. He was going to – there was specific plays for that guy. Now there's specific plays for Drake, and, you know, I was really impressed by reading his comments yesterday. He seems like a really – highly intelligent, um, head, good head-on-his-shoulders type guy. And so at $5.5 million a year over two years might be a luxury, but if that luxury helps your offense take, go to the next step, I don't know if you can complain about that. Yeah, and isn't it kind of ironic sometimes how uh, during free agency, it's the fans are sometimes, why do we spend that money on that guy? And then... Come the regular season, if you didn't shore up a position, why didn't we spend more money at that position? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and in this case, I think it's going to be what you're saying. There's going to be a time um, where Kenyon Drake saves a day or makes a big play. Um, or as you said, uh, you might not even know it. It's going to be so subtle that both players are healthy and, and, um, and got a lot of gas left in the tank, whether it's late in games or late in the season, where you didn't even know the impact, but, you, you, but, but, but there is an impact. Uh, and I think that that is uh, going to happen. Um, all right, Bill, last question for you. Uh, minicamp is next week. And um, it's always interesting. It's, it's a little bit more uh, exposure that we're going to be able to, uh, to get a look at uh, these guys and this team. Uh, anything in particular that, that you want to see before this thing gets wrapped, wrapped up uh, ahead of training camp? As far as a move or anything? No, just in terms of um, player development, somebody that flashes. Um, you oh, know, during these, training the, camp? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. I, I, I think the key, and this is going to be a theme of the season, is just um, how quickly the offensive line gels and develops and, and gets a chemistry of itself. I mean, you know, Mike Mayock is, is, is really, you know, on the record for how excited he is about this unit. And he had an interview, I think it was with JT recently, where he said the same things he said to, you know, the media before the draft. It's, you know, younger and more athletic and, so they really believe that. So if this season doesn't work offensively and Derek Carr doesn't, and Derek Carr is at his best, 
when he gets great protection. You can say that about every quarterback. It's very rudimentary, but I think it's very much true in Derek Scott, in Derek Carter's case. If this line doesn't do that for him, I mean, there's going to be some problems, and they're going to have to answer some questions. So I think it is, you know, just paramount for Andre James to be ready and Leatherwood to be ready and, you know, and, and Richie to be healthy. Those are just huge things for the Raiders. Yep, I completely agree, um, and uh, it'll be fascinating to, to monitor that uh, as we get into July and then and then the uh, you know training camp and the, and the regular season because I think it's going to take a good you know uh, well maybe it's the I mean, the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> always make you bring the hard hat so I think we may have a pretty good idea week one uh, where right. this offensive line is physically and whether they're up to this challenge. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Always a pleasure. Again, you could follow him at B. Williamson NFL. Be well, my friend, and uh, we will talk and see you down the line. Hey, thanks, thanks, everybody. You got it. Have a good one. That's Bill Williamson. Always does a fantastic job. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed the article that he wrote the other day about uh, the newcomers, the additions, and kind of classifying them in a tier one, tier two, tier three um, ranking. And, you know, as I was counting the names, there's a, a lot of new players on this team, and they have a chance to make a big impact. Uh, and that's why this is such a critical time of year that these guys are here in the building, um, you know, uh, uh, developing chemistry, trust factor, everything uh, with their new t- teammates and new coaches. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, don't forget, uh, tomorrow night, every Friday night, over at Michael T's uh, here in Las Vegas, it's Aloha Fridays uh, in conjunction with Embajador Tequila. Aloha Fridays, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. The 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. segment is live Hawaiian music. And then there's uh, karaoke with a Hawaiian DJ uh, from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. And, of course, uh, all the uh, Embajador Tequila uh, and great food uh, that that you want. It's it's a fun night. Uh, Michael Tease is a, a good friend of the show, and uh, obviously Embajador Tequila doing everything that they're doing. Uh, so check it out. Aloha Fridays over at Michael Tease nine eight nine p.m. to three a.m. on Friday nights. Every Friday night. Uh, also, if you're interested in uh, just you know uh, driving around finding some place that has Embajador Tequila out here in Las Vegas, uh, Liquor World XO Liquor Liquor Outlet. Uh, five-star liquor, uh, and then also uh, the, the Orleans Hotel, uh, Aliante, Gold Coast, Sun Coast, um, and over at the Aliante, they have uh, Salt and Lime Restaurant. It's a great restaurant, uh, and they definitely serve Embajador Tequila, so keep uh, that, that um, put, jot it down, uh, put it on your to-do list, and uh, you'll have uh, a lot of fun and uh, meet a lot of good people, drink, eat a lot of good food, and obviously uh, sip on some Embajador Tequila along the way. I uh, really appreciate what they are doing. So uh, thanks again to Bill Williamson for, for joining us. I think that um, it was it's weird how things kind of time up, but over the weekend, you know, kind of got a hint that, you know, that safety position is, uh, is open for competition. Uh, and then lo and behold, 
Gus Bradley shows up on JT the Brick show today and, and talks about it as a uh, it's an open competition. And, you know, I think part of that is you've got a rookie in Trayvon uh, uh, Merig from TCU uh, who is in line, it seems like. Um, you can kind of pencil him in, perhaps, as that starter at free safety. Um, and Jonathan Abram, presumably, uh, we know that he's moving to the box safety position and presumably is going to be the starter there. Uh, but don't sleep on Tyree Gillespie, the rookie from Missouri, one way or another. It looks like he's opening up some eyes. Uh, got a got a hint of that over the weekend. And, um, you know, hearing hearing Gus Bradley talk about Tyree, about how he, quickly he's grasped things and remember, OTAs, there's no pads, uh, there's helmets and, um, and, and all that, but it's not like guys are, are, you know, running around hitting each other or anything like that. Uh, it's a very controlled environment. So a lot of it is what you learned in the classroom earlier in the day and uh, getting on the field and putting it to use on the field. It goes hand in hand. You got to learn it, then you got to do it. And some guys, it takes a little while, it takes a little longer uh, to, to grasp that. And uh, that's kind of what differentiates uh, the, the rookies that are going to be able to make a big impact early and the ones that, you know, it might take a little while longer. And that goes for, for all players, for that matter. Uh, but Gus Bradley talking about how quickly Tyree is picking things up. And, you know, the information that I had gotten over the weekend is there's a confidence here that once the pads come on, that's when Tyree Gillespie is really going to show up. And, you know, you watch the tape of him at Missouri, and he was a fourth-round pick out of Missouri. The physicality jumps out at you. This guy is a load out there. Um, and it looks like he's opening up the necessary eyes. Now, the question is, it just – I mean, when I, when I watch him play, he kind of projects more as that strong safety kind of guy. That would be Jonathan Abrams' position, and in this particular defense, that's a uh, it's what they call a box safety, where you're closer to the line of scrimmage. It's a guy that you know is is that hybrid cornerback linebacker, somebody that's big enough and strong enough to hold up against the run, close to closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, but then in pass coverage, you're defending more of a zone area, a smaller patch of field, so that you're not exposed uh, in on long stretches of the field. In coverage, where maybe that's not your strength, that it doesn't appear to be Jonathan Abrams' strength. Uh, I'm sure he's working on that, but you know, going all the way back to his early football days, that was pretty much the book on Jonathan Abrams. It was, you know, not the best in coverage. It's fine. It's okay. Not every player is a perfect player, and coaches and schemes figure that out. And you you accentuate the strengths and you try to cover up and mask some of the weaknesses. And in Jonathan Abrams' case, playing close, closer to the line of scrimmage is going to mitigate some of the flaws while raising some of the strengths. However, you know, you look at a Tyree Gillespie and, you know, he kind of profiles at that position. And who knows, maybe he brings better pass coverage as well. We'll have to see. But it's just interesting to me that um, – it's not etched in stone who those two safeties are going to be, uh, but it's. I think it's even more interesting to me is that I don't think it's because guys aren't necessarily performing. I think other guys are just forcing their way into the picture, and that's never a bad thing. Um, there's no time for feelings. Uh, teams are trying to win championships. That is the goal, to put the best players on the field at all times to win as many games as possible. This is the NFL. 
There's no times for hurting somebody's feelings or anything like that. Uh, by the time September 13th rolls around, when the lights go on over at Allegiant Stadium on Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the Raiders are going to put the best 11 players on the field offensively and defensively, and obviously there's going to be uh, role players coming in off the bench uh, on both sides of the ball, but it's going to be your best players. That's the goal. That's the plan. You can't worry about feelings. And right now, it sure looks like that safety position is open for competition. It'll be fascinating to see how it all shakes out. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embodiner.